Welcome to the Nerd Tutorial Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials about nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today is myself, your nerdy tutor, George, and with me here today, the amazing Spider-Mom, my mom. (laughs) Hi. So, today we had kind of a special request. We have a viewer who recommended that we should talk about this, and I think we can't think of a better time to talk about it while it's still slightly relevant. We're going to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home, which just came out in theaters here uh, two or three weeks ago. And then we're also going to talk about Comic-Con 2019, because basically Marvel was the only person of note to make any make any real news at this uh, particular showing. Uh, so, Mom, what do you know about Spider-Man? Okay, so I only know, I, I saw the movies 20 years ago. Um, those were Those were good. Um, or the movie and then I've seen several um, I've seen several of the more recent movies I have not seen the cartoon which I understand is really good Uh, yeah so I believe that's going to be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse I'm told it's really good too I haven't had a chance to watch it but I think but again like everybody's everybody's telling me that it's like the best way you could do a Spider-Man movie I guess in in a certain way it's just the nostalgia factor, I think, is really good. But the Sam Raimi movies, which are the early 2000s Spider-Man movies, those are considered kind of like on the top, kind of like a top-tier uh, set of superhero movies by some of the fans because they just, they really do nail the Peter Parker, Spider-Man sort of dynamic. They just, again, like, it, they really did nail those those movies there when back in that time here. And Sam Raimi, I think, really did understand who the character is it's this nerdy kind of science kid and really did kind of you know put a lot of love and passion into the movies here okay so. well in getting ready for for far from home um i did watch homecoming me, me too okay and then of course they've seen have seen infinity wars and endgame and and those things which certainly feature him mm-hmm. um so I, I wanted to be prepared and and glad i'd never seen um homecoming so, um, so that was a good that was a good kind of primer, yeah. Primer, yeah, because because I wasn't familiar with the new MJ, and all of, and mm-hmm. and the and the new characters that he's with, yeah, so, new to me. Well, so what's interesting is that the Marvel Cinematic Universe here, the MCU, um, is kind of like done this interesting juxtaposition where they haven't actually gone over how Peter Parker got his powers or any of the sort of uh, Uncle Ben sort of related stuff here at all, which is interesting, I think, if only just because they think they kind of all realize that, like, we all kind of know, everyone should kind of know who Peter Parker is mm-hmm. on a certain he, level. He picked a pack of pickle pepper. He did. Um, That's Peter Piper, so. <laughs> um, I think everyone kind of knows who Spider-Man is for the most part, which is why they were able to kind of just kind of enter in is uh, the term that they call it is immediate res you get right into the beginning you get right past the chapter one you go right into chapter two essentially so you already know who the character is you kind of understand who he is we're getting just re-familiarized for him from his first appearance in civil captain american civil war um, of all the characters i think he's the one that has the most continuity because in a lot of cases here a lot of his movies always play off of is last two movies here have really played off the notion that everything that's happened to him prior to that affects him going into the movie. So if you watch Homecoming, you see that 
Spider-Man's um, adventures in uh, Germany here as part of Captain America's Civil War really do play an effect on where Peter Parker goes to in the next movie. It kind of outlines really what he's doing and why he's doing it. Um, and then obviously Infinity War and Endgame have played a major portion into him going into Far From Home. But before that, I just want to do a quick little primer on the Spider-Man person. Okay. So Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Peter Parker is the character. Um, and he's originally a teenager who's a part of the science club and he's part of the journalism club. So he takes a lot of pictures and everything. He eventually works for the Daily Bugle. He, get bitten, he got bitten by a radioactive spider. Um, his superpowers are, are uh, not necessarily, shouldn't necessarily be unique to everybody. His major power is really his spider sense. And then I think in the movie they call it the Peter Tingle. Yep. Which is kind of a funny little thing. But um, basically. He doesn't like that term. No, he doesn't. Um, basically, the spider sense is kind of like a. Um, a is basically a sixth sense. He can cut anything that he would recognize as danger, he would recognize through his spider sense and allows him basically to realize something's coming that would be of danger to him. It's why in a lot of cases here he's a lot he's able to kind of like dodge things, bullets and kind of maneuver around stuff through his spider sense essentially because the spider sense is basically telling him this is coming, you need to move and he would move accordingly for it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time he also has Increased strength, increased re reflexes and agility, which is very clear in the way he moves. Uh, and that's one of the one things I've really appreciated about the movies here is that um, they've really tried to nail the heroic poses of Spider-Man in a lot of cases, um, especially with the way like, his knees and arms are kind of moving around where he's very kind of like hopping almost in some cases or he's got... The way he just kind of crouches and hangs. Tom Holland, to his credit, though, actually used to be a gymnast. Oh, that makes actually a lot of sense. So that's what. So a lot of the time when he's doing the moves, or when Spider-Man's doing the motions and everything, or any sort of move, it's actually Tom Holland doing that. Not not a not a not a stunt actor. No, it's the actual kid doing it. And he's really kind of more petite, and and gymnasts frequently are. Yes, and Spider-Man has been somewhat petite. I mean, depending on which version of Spider-Man you're reading, sometimes he's only like. Five foot four, five foot six in, in height in a lot of cases. He's not very tall. Um, not, not very heroish. Although I guess I guess Iron Man wasn't that tall. Iron Man was in his like five foot tens. That's Captain, not tall. Captain America would have been like six foot two, six foot three. That's tall. Batman has always been described as being like six two, six four, give or take. Uh, same thing with Superman. Um, Wolverine, oddly enough. So Wolverine is one of the fun, one of the more interesting characters when they got. Hugh Jackman to do him back in the uh, for the first for the first X Men movie. Um, Hugh Jackman is like six foot two, six foot three tall. Yeah. Um, Wolverine though in the comics is five foot one. Oh, that doesn't work at all. No, but again, like Hugh Jackman just looks the part. Oh, and he is. Yeah. He he is Wolverine for all extensive purposes. Yeah. So like, I've not seen any of those movies. I want. I don't want to say you're missing anything. Um, but it certainly does nail some of the some of the aspects of the X Men franchise, um, but we'll, we'll talk about more about that. Okay. Another, all right. 
So another, uh, another day. Another day. Um, so Raymond's other powers here is he's got enhanced speed, so we kind of like can move a little bit faster, can see things a little bit a little bit quicker. So he has a little bit of a precognitive sort of ability, um, and his wall walking, he can stick onto walls and climb up walls, basically. He can make webs. That's actually not a superpower of his. That's it, the web shooter? So that's the web shooter. Originally, he creates that on his own. Now, the Sam Raimi version kind of just mixes it in with the, rest of his with the rest of his backstory here. Like, he just has the ability to generate webs. Well, because he was bit by a radioactive spider. But if you think about it, where do spiders normally release thread from? I don't... Oh, their butts. Yes. Okay. Well, that would be impolite. It would be. Um, again, I like what they did in the Sam Raimi movies. They just kind of added it into the portion of his character that was like, oh yeah, and he can shoot webs. So you kind of didn't have to go through this monotony of how did this kid come up with this thread sort of thing that like has a lot of real, has a lot of strength, tensile strength to it, but like kind of disappears quickly. Uh, it kind of dissolves. And dissolves when he doesn't need it. Yeah, it's kind like, of a weird quality. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it's never well explained. I mean, in the comics, it's explained because he's a part of the science club that he eventually kind of accidentally figured it out, um, and created the web shooters as a result to be able to do it. In the movies, like, I mean, they tried to do it with the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man movies. I think in the Marvel continuity here, they're just like, you know what? It's Spider-Man. Everyone kind of knows what Spider-Man is, like. It's it doesn't need explanation. Yeah, and Marvel's it's been just really just a given. Yeah, Marvel's been really good about deciding what needs to be explained and what doesn't need to be explained. They change things up though. Okay, so mm -hmm. I remember Spider-Man, the funny papers. Okay, so back back in the day, of course you had comic strips that mm -hmm. were that were both um, daily, and then on Sundays were the big color pullout because the dailies were black and white. Yep. And he was a comic strip character. And so I remember him with Aunt May and um, Uncle any Ben. Number, yeah. Any number of different villains. Uh, yeah, and, and any number of different villains. Um, but it was a very different look and feel. To what later iterations are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I imagine that's going to happen with time. I mean, one of the nice things about what's interesting about comics is that um, every few years they change up the writers and they change up the artists who do comics in order to keep it fresh and interesting. Um, and as a result of doing that, you get new storylines, you get new look, new takes on stuff here. Um, famously, there was a guy who did Iron Man who actually went through the portion of actually making the Iron Man armor look like armor and not just a guy with a with like a skin tight kind of bodysuit that has like that looked like Iron Man, like this one actually looked like armor pieces. It kind of kind of really did set the tone for what the new what Iron Man would look like in, in the, the first in the movies. Yeah, so because like, I like that Iron Man actually has a suit that you can tell is a suit. Yeah, and they actually in that first movie they made a practical model of it, so there was okay. a very much a practical like armor and everything that he that suit that he could actually wear if he wanted to and that the stunt actor wore as well okay. which i think was very cool um one thing you do need to know about uh spider-man here is that he is what they kind of have coined a tragic character um in the sense that a lot of cases when it comes to spider-man stories 
it's all about either putting Peter Parker or Spider-Man into a very complicated sort of scenario or disadvantage here, uh, and watching his life just kind of get tortured around him. Um, he does have moments of happiness, but a lot of the time, those moments of happiness come from come after come later come like huge moments of tragedy in a lot of cases. Again, like the best example here being. He got these powers. He he wanted to do. He wanted to like use them for his own benefit to try to get a car so he could impress so he can impress a girlfriend. Um, he lets a robber go, thinking, "Well, it's not my job to stop a robber. I'm just a guy." And that robber ends up killing Uncle Ben. So even with just a little bit of high, he gets the lowest of lows. So. He never um, gets to be really happy. He doesn't really get to be happy all that often. But, but no. do, do and aside from Iron Man, who who seems to be to be the one exception, do any of them really get to be happy? Because if you look at like Superman, never gets Lois Lane. He does actually. In the second movie, he does. In the second movie, he does, and then but later. The, but in the comics, has, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and and you never see Batman with a with a full-time girl yeah but batman's reason is because he knows that if he gets a girlfriend or he gets a wife that he can't continue to lead the life that he's been leading thus far which is a testament to his parents legacy and memory essentially to him that like he like a villain like a person shot up shot his parents and it's kind of his testament here to avenge his parents and protect the city that nobody else is protecting so some characters are built in with it and some characters um, put it upon themselves too. So it just seems like none of them really get, get to have. Really be, yeah. yeah, unless you're in in Incredibles. True. You don't you don't get to have a full life. No, I mean like even Iron Man to a certain extent here. He's he, again he was probably the exception. He uh, gets Pepper Potts. He gets Pepper Potts absolutely, and then Captain America is somewhat of the same. But Captain America is also just like a guy who doesn't know how to not turn off. Right. Yeah, so so yeah, it it seems sort of inherent into the hero character that that uh, you don't you, you don't, don't get, get to be happy. But again, yeah. keep in mind that Peter Parker in a lot of cases is actively trying to be happy. He is. He uh, so so we, we can talk about it in you know in the last movie, which was Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes the decision to be the friendly local. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, instead of being like this international sort of Avenger kind of guy. He's supposed uh, to be the, the next one, and instead he, he opts mm-hmm. to be the friendly local Spider-Man yep. and, and just deal with his neighborhood. So that could, so that's probably a good tangent here to get into the movie here, Far From Home. We have a lot of different cool characters that kind of come up, and this is the first movie to really talk about what everyone's calling, I guess, the blip. Which yes, is, they're back after five years. So yeah, so everyone got blipped away from infinity from the basically Infinity War, and we're seeing the aftermath of it. And one of the aftermath is, is that like people who like just suddenly disappeared reappeared in the exact same spot. So like the example they used was like this band was playing in in the gym, and then the next thing you know they're playing a basketball game, and suddenly the gym just the gym just reappears with all these band people that just disappeared before them. Exactly where they were standing before. Um, a lot of people were also displaced because of this blip because um, in Aunt May's case here, like they, she would, she disappeared when she was in her apartment and then a new family came in and took over the apartment and as a result here, like 
she just suddenly appeared at the apartment, and everyone was like, who the hell are you? So I I would imagine, I would hope that another movie here kind of does give some impression of that, that this time progressing here, I'm really interested. Um, I don't know how or what how they'll do it necessarily, but I would like to see... Um, it's one of those nice things, again, that Spider-Man is one of those movies that just carries the continuity with him with full 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 steam versus like if you look at like Black Panther as an example here like the continuity really didn't affect him too much except that his father died but that was just leading into his own story to begin with anyways um, as for Spider-Man like the entire world changing around him really does affect him well and the interesting thing I mean they talk about it in a number of different ways um, they deal with it there's a, a um, the high school has a daily morning um like, broadcast like yes. a newscast and and the newscasters deal with it because and they talk about if you got blipped you had to start your senior year all over again because you got when you got blipped you came back you hadn't aged at all and mm-hmm. your friends had moved on and so it dealt with it with you suddenly half your friends were five years older than you mm-hmm. and had moved on with their lives and completed college and you were having to go back and finish high school and um, and in one place, it, it actually very humorously deals with it. With um, one of the friends tries to order a drink on the plane, and um, and the other one leans over to the stewardess and says, "He got blipped. He's not really twenty-one, and um, or or over twenty-one." Mm-hmm. And so it had cute sort of ramifications that you know, like then then what does happen? You have an ID that says that you were born. 20-something years ago. But you're not really 21, you're still 16. Exactly. So it, 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 dealt, with it dealt with it in some humorous ways too, but it, it did deal with the idea that, that people's houses... Lives, their entire every, continuities have really their changed. Their jobs, everything. Yeah, yeah. And, when, and when they came back, um, it wasn't like you could slide right back into um, where you've been. It's kind of interesting that I've, I'm wondering here that if how much Marvel will play with this notion here of having this five-year sort of gap, especially with kind of more long-lasting characters they have. So, like, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, um, you know, the Hulk. Like, how... Like, will they continue to have, like, these little bits where, like, especially with the people who did disappear, again, like, Black Panther, the Avengers, uh, Doctor Strange here, like how will their worlds change because they've been gone for five years? I and mean, especially in the case of people like Wakanda here, like Wakanda has been existing for five years without its leader who was leading in the, who was leading in the interim. And, and, and does that person step aside to let the original one back in? You yeah. Know? So do you have like a, another civil war, which probably not the direction they were going to go. Uh, does, you know, does T'Challa see the world changed by, his intent, do they continue to do his intent, which is like Wakanda integrates with the rest of the world here again, and like, does that, does that get stopped because of the blip, or does that continue onward, and if it did, like, did it happen the way he wanted it to, like, again, like, so many questions, so much fun. Yeah, yes, Uh, yeah, so it was interesting, it dealt with it just peripherally. Yeah, primarily, yeah, but, but I think you almost have to, just because the way the movie is if you spent too long on it in the movie, you would almost feel like you were dragging this element out. Yeah, and, and you didn't want to do that. So I thought it dealt with it well. Yes. Um, I thought it dealt with it well and and, and kept it 
um, lighthearted, but um, was still very much a part of the world building. Yeah. And again, yeah. Marvel does this really well, where it pulls all the world building is not intentionally sort of like in your face at all about it or exposition-y. Mm-hmm. They very much are just kind of weaving it in through the rest of the world. Like, this kind of happens here and here and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. essentially the movie takes place it's about five years after the blip, and so Peter Parker is still 16 years old, and he's going on a science vacation with people from his school. They're going to Europe, but, they're, but they're, science topic For science topics, yes. Um, Peter Parker's got this entire idea where he wants to get MJ to the top of the Eiffel Tower and um, give her a necklace and like just basically come out to her and say, like, hey, I like you. Yeah, so he's bought a, bl- a Black Dahlia necklace that is special to some city in Italy that they went to. Well, they went to Venice and he got it there because she's always into like these weird kind of esoteric topics. Yeah. And one of the topics was like the Black Dahlia murder. Yeah. That's why he wanted to give it to her, because she, she would get the symbolism for it. Yeah. Um, along the way, though, Nick Fury's trying to get a hold of Peter Parker, and Peter Parker's basically just kind of ignoring him. Right. Um, come to find out that while they're in Venice here, like, there's a water monster that kind of appears. Well, it actually opens um, prior to this with a cyclone that, that happens in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So the first scene we see is actually the cyclone that happens in Mexico where the dust actually has a face. Yes. People see the face. Mm-hmm. And, and it just wipes out this city. And everybody's trying to reason with, with people say it had a face, but it was just a cyclone. Yeah. And that's what did the damage. So that's the precursor to what's going to happen in Venice. Absolutely. And then you get Nick Fury and Maria Hill are traveling there and find this guy in a green suit who we'll just call him Mysterio because that's what he, who he is he gets but named during the movie he gets named during the movie um, basically this water elemental sort of monster creature they get him onto land and eventually Mysterio is able to kind of destroy him I guess um, with Peter Parker trying to just do Peter Parker just wants to put Spider-Man behind him and just enjoy his vacation. Be he a kid. didn't. He didn't pack his suit. Aunt May packed it for him. Intent. Yes. So. Uh, he didn't want to be Spider-Man. He didn't on want to trip. be right around. He did not want to be Spider-Man on the trip. And Nick Fury basically just kind of like gets him into being Spider-Man for the trip. Um, basically hijacks the trip here essentially so that he can do it. Yeah, they're supposed to be going to Paris next, and mm-hmm. they end up going to Prague. Yes, they end up going to Prague, where there's supposed to be this fire monster elemental, and so... So, but, I mean, let's back up a little bit. So, the water monster that, that Mysterio deals with, mm-hmm. and Mysterio is this new... New guy, guy from a different dimension. From a different dimension, and we're told that there are actually universe. five or six universes. There's actually infinite number of multiverses, which is okay. a concept in Marvel... That basically allows them to have alternate kind of storylines here. Like, even the Marvel Cinematic Universe is happening in an alternate universe from the original Marvel continuity. And as a side note here, um, when they're all kind of talking together here, essentially, uh-huh. um, when Nick Fury basically, like, drugs, is that nice fun scene where Nick Fury's just kind of sitting down in the hotel room and just kind of, like, shoots Ned in the... In the, in the, in the neck with the dart. And then, mind yeah. you, other people start coming to the door, and he's basically like, look, I got, I somebody, got, else, I got, yeah. somebody else knocks on that door, I'm going to have to kill somebody. Yeah. You know, so. The teacher uh, comes and knocks on the, yeah. The yeah. girlfriend knocks on the door. Everyone just yeah. kind of comes and knocks on the door. Um, 
so essentially Mysterio makes a point of saying that like yeah there are infinite multiverses and different stuff happening which is a concept originally talked about in Doctor Strange that there's infinite multiverses out there well, different but, realities and stuff that happens so Mysterio introduces the idea that early, in another universe on planet Earth mm -hmm. these elemental monsters destroyed Earth. Yes. And, and so that they gather power each time. So the elemental monster that you see in in Venice, again, is made of water, has mm -hmm. a very definite face. Yes. And you actually see it. He's got, like, arms as well. Yeah. It's very much, very much looks like a dude who was made out of water. Yeah. So, um, and Mysterio says, says you know, um, you know, the elements are, are you know, wind and, and water and fire. Mm -hmm. Fire will probably show up next. Um, it's somewhat the most dangerous. It's so, yeah, because, and you've got to keep it away from any electricity, any power. Or any metal. Any it metal. metal and it'll that's how it metal. power. Yeah, and, and um, so he introduces that fire will be next, and sure enough, they go to... That's what happens in Prague. Yeah. Yep, so they get, so they get to Prague. And um, now next year he's given Spider-Man a all-black kind of like tactical kind of looking costume because his big deal was like I don't want anybody to realize that this is Spider-Man. I'm Spider-Man. Spider-Man's supposed to be in in New York right now, yeah. and if I'm here as Spider-Man, people are going to recognize me as people are going to put two and two together they're gonna and realize that they're going to figure it out that somebody on this class trip is Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, so he gets a tactical suit. He ends up saving. They end up stopping the fire monster here. Uh, in, in they work. They work together, and they yeah. kind of coordinate it to do it. And Mysterio's kind of um, Mysterio's taking on this kind of interesting perspective here. So Peter Parker is kind of somewhat like desperately looking for a father figure, almost. Like yeah. that's what he originally saw in in Iron Man here, Tony Stark. He saw yeah. like a father figure who didn't very much Tony Stark. Not intentionally, but very much treated him like a kid of his own. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a fun and interesting sort of thing here because, again, like, you wouldn't think that, like, Tony Stark would really kind of take on a kid at all like that. And do we need to back up at all and talk about the glasses? So the glasses gets given to him by Nick Fury, and it's got an AI that's specially kind of, not necessarily specially designed for Peter Parker, but more or less kind of just a all-purpose sort of, like, this is a gift from Tony Stark that he wanted you to have if he should ever pass away. And 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 you get to choose. Well, not even so much he gets to choose, but so much that he was given the, he was given this gift here from Tony Stark, saying that like you who you know, not necessarily saying that he'll be the next Iron Man, but saying like you'll know how to use this, or you'll be yeah. the, you'll be the one to choose how to use this. Yeah. Um, and Mysterio here is very much a. Um, I don't know if it's intentional or not. He's trying to be a father figure to Peter Parker, like kind of apologizing for all this shit going down and like trying to befriend him on a certain level because he sees the benefit of him. They defeat the fire monster here and then the two of them are kind of like tr having a drink and he's very much like, you, Peter Parker is very much the opinion of like, you know what? No, no you, Mysterio, you, you're a soldier. You know all the stuff here. You... You'd be the better guy to be Iron Man. Everyone is expecting me to be Iron Man. I can't be the next. Be, I can't yeah, be, be the, the next, next leader. Yeah. I can't be the next Iron Man. Uh, but you, you, you're, you're, you seem like you'd be the guy to do that. So he gives him the glasses. He leaves um, to go see MJ, and then it's quickly shown that Mysterio 
is not quite up to, not quite playing uh, honestly. He did not come from another universe. No. Um, he did not come from another time. He is completely a fraud. Absolutely. Um, he's and a charlatan of the best nature. He is, yeah. And and so he's completely a fraud. And as it turns out, he's a disgruntled former Tony Stark employee. Which is kind of interesting. So they get like a number of people there from past from past movies to be the to rep, to reprise their characters. So he's apparently the came, one that came up with um, the holographic technology in uh, Captain America: Civil War. Uh huh. Um, there's another guy who created the drones from the very first Iron Man, um, who was actually a producer for the film. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. that that was he was a producer on the on the first Iron Man movie. Um, so he reprised his role in that particular sense. And the, the other characters have, I guess, been another have been former uh, Tony Stark employees, and all this was intentionally a ruse to make it so that like they could make. Mysterio, this new hero that would be, you know, the savior of everybody. Who would replace Iron Man, yeah. basically, in the in people's minds. Mysterio. Yeah. And then use that to whatever benefit I think you would use for it. Because that's the part that's somewhat dubious for me. Like, what benefit would there be to being the new Iron Man? Like, like I can appreciate that, like, a hero would, like, be um, desired at the end of the day. But, like... You saw, but I mean, like, if, even if you just kind of heard what Iron Man had to go through to be the hero, like, why would you want to do? Why that? would you want to do that? Except for either a monetary sort of game or a power sort of game. And what's worse is that like Mysterio doesn't have any sort of physical powers. It's just technology in holograms and drones. I mean, like, and apparently there's a lot of work going into just making these holographic projections and everything okay so so the deal is that as it turns out the elemental monsters aren't monsters at all they are the drones projecting this holographic technology and so they can move their choreographed and because mysterio knows what they're going to do next he knows how to respond to them. He also knew how to set Peter Parker up to respond to them mm -hmm. because Peter Parker did as Mysterio suggested in different in different parts yeah. when they were in, in Prague. So so now you have uh, Mysterio mm -hmm. who is created these monsters and he wants to create now an event that is superhero worthy as if these other ones weren't. But he actually terms it a, a, a Avengers level uh, threat. Th threat, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he really is just out for the power gain here. Um, interesting side note here: uh, Spider-Man has dealt with a lot of semi-elemental based supervillains in the past, and so all these, all these, all the elementals here are based off of former actual, like, Spider-Man villains. So one of them being Hydro-Man, Molten-Man, Sandman, and Cyclone. So all these characters, all the elementals were based off of former um, Spider-Man villains, which is a, a definitely a very cool. cool nod. Yeah, that is a cool nod. Yeah. Um, so Spider-Man figures this out and decides he's got to go to, I guess, um, he's got to go somewhere to go 
basically get to Nick Fury to explain to Nick Fury this is all what's gone down. He gets to, I guess, some sort of abandoned warehouse. He gets to, like, what he thinks initially is a um, uh, a covert sort of area. Mm-hmm. Kind of find out it's just an abandoned warehouse, and Mysterio just screws with him with all these projectors. He runs them through this holographic world that's constantly changing where nothing's real. Mm-hmm. Like if you were going to really go crazy. Yeah. And, like, Spider-Man goes through different costume changes. The world around him literally changes back and forth. Like... This is kind of like what Mysterio would be like if he were a supervillain, just taunting you and teasing you with not letting you realize what's what. And Spider-Man, you know, to his credit, like, just does not get it at all. Well, and he's got to get through to to Nick Fury what's mm-hmm. going on. And and even in, in the middle of it here, like, he finally, like, like, at a certain point here, like, he continues to keep tricking Spider-Man into thinking what's happening versus not happening. At the very end, he ends up getting hit by a bullet train that takes him all the way to um, the Netherlands. You, and, and, and in this moment, Mysterio thinks he's dead. Yeah. But at one point, he's tricked into thinking he's talking to Nick Fury, mm-hmm. and he reveals who else knows he's Spider-Man. Well, not even so much as knows that Spider-Man, but so much knows that he... of this projector technology. So MJ is actually found some of this technology that was like somehow pulled off of one of the robots here or the drones yeah um this is also where mj kind of you know they're they're walking around after the event in Prague. yeah and peter and she's like yeah you're spider-man aren't you like peter's like uh no it's kind of obvious yeah to anybody who's looking and so it's this moment where peter parker's like trying to like gauge whether like wants to tell Mary Jane that I, he likes her. Yeah. Um, he gives her the broken necklace. Yes. Uh, and then um, you get to you get to the Netherlands here and Peter Parker is in the Netherlands while um, the... He is in jail with a bunch of, of, of... Soccer hooligans. Drunk soccer hooligans. Yes, but they're all very nice in the Netherlands. They're very nice. They give him a shirt because he looked cold. Yes. So they give him a shirt. Apparently the guards around the corner apparently is going to have a baby. So they're like, oh yeah, no, the guard will be back later. He yeah. Goes, he gets out of jail and he like walks he around. Breaks, like, he just literally breaks the lock on the door. He just kind of pulls it off. Yeah. And and the other guys go stay in the cell. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, all right. And he, he asked some random guy at a, a market to borrow his phone. And the guy's like, yeah, sure, go for it. And he places a call. And he places a call to Happy Hogan. Yeah. Now, mind you, Happy Hogan in the comics is like Iron is like Tony Stark's bodyguard before he was Iron Man, um, and he was again John Favreau um, was the original director for the first Iron Man as well. I love Happy. Ha- Happy's also got a thing for Aunt May too. Okay, so so back in this way up, when did Aunt May get hot? during Civil War again keep in mind like this is still not the traditional version of, of Peter Parker that we that, that, we, that we that we used to well or MJ or MJ or like any of the other characters for this part of the night Ned's not a character that exists in, in the Spider-Man continuity at all I like Ned he reminds me of um, in, in Doogie Hauser MD yes Doogie's friend I could see that um so again, like, but it, but everything's not the necessarily traditional version of it here. I mean, like, 
I think what Marvel realized was that everyone's seen Peter Parker a bunch of times. How do we do it differently to make it interesting? And I think this is a better way to do it. Yeah. It's still keep very much keep him in keep him as a um as a as a teenager instead of like a young college student like he was in the Sam Raimi movies. Mm-hmm. Um to kind of still play up that innocence and fun with him. Um but at the same time, I mean I think if you're gonna continue to play up that he's kind of a teenager that Aunt May can be a little bit different too. And, and that's one of the one things I do appreciate here is that um, like they found something to do with Marissa Tomei. They found something to do with her. Well, it, like, and, and, and she's and she's marvelous as Aunt May, and oh, yeah. it gives it a whole different um, a whole different feel. And and the reality, because she can be kind of hip, and she can be realistic, she and, be she cool. can ha- and again, she can like she can have those conversations with him, and she can know that he's Spider Man because the original Aunt May really didn't did she didn't really know that it was spider-man but kind of had the kind of had the notion of like yeah i i bet you're this but if you're not going to tell me then i'm okay with it at the end of the day it's not the end of my world whereas aunt, aunt may is really you know kind of into it and gets it and and it i think i think it's a i think it's a cool um sort of way that she can have conversations with him that she can that, interact with the story as well yeah that she that she doesn't she's have, not peripheral she's not very oh, great great use of that word very very excellent so um spider-man calls happy hogan and they arrive in like a stark plane and he he has this lovely little moment here with with hogan and he's like look everyone thinks i'm going to be the next Sp- next iron man and i don't know how i can live up to that I can't live up to that. There's no way I can live Obviously, up to I that. did wrong. I gave the glasses yeah, to the wrong I've person. Up. I, I screwed up. I shouldn't be this guy. And, and Hogan basically goes to the point of saying, like, yeah, Tony messed up a lot, too. But and you don't but you don't have to be the next Iron Man. You're the current Spider-Man. Yeah. You don't have to live up to Tony's legacy. You just have to act in its stead. And, and he tells him... You know, Tony did screw up, but he knew people, and he chose you. Yeah. Which, so, which again, speaks a lot yeah. to their relationship, really. That I love Happy in those moments. I mean, yeah. he's... he's The perfect parental figure that you would want. Yeah. Yeah, I, love, I appreciate that. Go and make I, your suit. And I, Yeah, and he basically was like, yeah, go make your suit. I'll take care of the flying. And it's like, there's this lovely moment where, like, he's, where Peter Parker's messing around with, like, the holographic technology... Very much in the same way that Iron Man did in the first movie. He's yeah. like, yeah, you may not think you're going to be the next Iron Man. You're going to be the next Iron Man. Yeah. Um, so, big final final scene here is, big final fight here is basically Mysterio is kind of hanging out on one of the London bridges. And he's using his holographic technology. And, he, and he's stranded, he's, he's stranded all of... Um, of Spider-Man's Peter Parker's um, high school group mm-hmm. on a double-decker bus in the middle of the bridge. Yes, so they can intentionally. Theor- so intentionally, so they can be killed, so that way they won't share the secret of the holographic stuff there. But also yeah. at the same time, Nick Fury and Maria Hill are there as well, uh, with the intention of killing them at the same time, so that way they don't have to know more than they need to. Um, and so Peter Parker arrives in a new Spider outfit realizes that it's a hologram so it gets inside and starts messing with all the drones to destroy the projection um, Mysterio eventually figures it out decides you know what screw the projection we'll just have the drones here 
and I'll we'll figure it out later in post. We'll figure out so, how, so, how to explain so, it away. So while the the monster is at the bridge, mm -hmm. um, it actually starts disappearing, and all you see are the drones flying. It, yep. it, parts of it flake like almost like flake away. Yeah. Um, as they sort of get uncloaked. Is that is that well because they're getting destroyed? They're not projecting the the scenery, the holographic scenery right. around them. So because they can't project the holographic scenery, they just kind of like it's um, kind of like a puzzle piece. So like yeah. puzzle pieces are missing. You have a part of the picture, and you kind of can tell what the picture is, but you don't have all the picture. So well, whole portions of it kind of yeah. flake away. Yeah. Oh yeah, and so eventually he just decides to let loose with all the drones to go after Spider Man. Spider Man just basically plays around with this bridge to just. Destroying these things, thing, these things left and right. Um, at the end of it here, like Peter Parker, he was on the bridge the entire time, and like one of the, I guess one of the hallways above the bridge, mm -hmm. Mysterio was, and Peter Parker um, eventually gets to him, takes back the glasses, and presumably he dies. It looks like he dies. He yeah. looks like he dies, and again, I mean, and even. Even asked Peter Parker even asked the AI is like, hey, like, is this real? Is like yeah, there are no holographic projections going on, or there's no there's no projections going on. And it's like okay, well he must be dead then. Um, he goes back downstairs. He goes back to the bridge, and there he meets MJ. Um, who, who this entire crew of people here got trapped, I guess, in the London vaults, the Crown Jewel vaults. They are in the Crown Jewels because Happy knows they just got six foot. Uh, walls. Yes. So very thick walls. So if the drones have to get to him, it'll take a while to get to him in there. Um, and the drones do try to get to them. And then they get very close. Yes. Um, MJ basically tells Peter Parker, yeah, like I wasn't just looking at you because I thought you were Spider-Man. I liked you as well. Yeah. So they have this nice romantic kiss and he gets the girl at the end. Um, the final scenes are him talking to Aunt May and Happy Hogan about their relationship and yeah he flies flies home and aunt may picks him up and, mm -hmm. yeah uh, aunt may says it's apparently a summer fling the hogan thinks it might be more yeah so they've been dating yes and aunt may and happy that uh, makes me happy yeah nice to see like aunt may yeah. be happy and hogan yeah. be happy too yeah um and then the last bit of the movie here is Spider-Man with Mary Jane, um, MJ swinging through New York, and MJ just apparently just terrified the entire time. Yeah, she tells him at the end of that because he he goes on a date with her, and on the the date is him swinging her around, mm -hmm. dressed as Spider-Man. Oh, well, obviously. Yeah. Um, and basically, she's like, never again. Never again. But then in the post credits. So the first post credit that we get here now. What's interesting about this first post credit scene is that. J. Jonah Jameson is reprised by J.K. Simmons, which is the first time a character from a non-MCU movie has reprised a character. But at the end of the day here, like, nobody was going to be this character other than J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons nails J. Jonah Jameson perfectly. Like, he just gets the character. He, he totally is the character. Um... And basically what ends up happening, and, and the other way they've also done this here as well, they've redone the Daily Bugle, not as a newspaper anymore, but more of like a Alex Jones, Infowar style, like, internet sort of, you know, thing. Which, on a certain level, like makes... Like Politico. Like one kind, of... Kind of like Politico, like a CNN almost thing. Yeah. Uh, like, 
but very much uh, very much in the vein and look of like Infowars primarily. Yeah. Um, and basically, he comes out with the notion here that Mysterio was a hero. Spider-Man killed Mysterio. And there's video footage. And there's this. video footage of all this. And at the very end of it, Mysterio blurts out the fact that Spider-Man is Peter Parker and gives away his identity. And so that's the end of the movie for all extensive purposes. That and you can see that it's badly edited. It's, it's, it's forced edited. Yeah, very forced edited. Um, the elements with Mysterio here. Which gives me the impression that Mysterio is actually not dead at all. Um, so there's one thing you have to know is that Mysterio in the comic books is always a bad guy. So as much as like the Spider-Man movie wasn't leaning on the notion of Mysterio being a bad guy, like if you would know Spider-Man even tangentially comic book wise, like you might have known that Mysterio was a bad guy. Well, I mean, so a couple things. Right before Mysterio dies on the bridge, he mm-hmm. does tell him, "This isn't over," and and. So that's another thing because there is a, so there is a collection of bad guys known as the Sinister Six, which are a collection and which is a collection of various Spider-Man villains that villains that always kind of changes in and out over time, and so what would be interesting is that if after a couple movies here that they reform that they form up this group in order to get back at Spider-Man because remember the Vulture is still alive. And if Jake Gyllenhaal's character Mysterio is still alive, there's basically a wealth of different opportunities here. And what I really hope that they continue to keep doing this is that they keep relying that all these villains are are relying on Stark Tech stuff, because I think that'd be a great through line that Spider-Man's dealing with all of Tony Stark's mistakes on a certain way or past failures. Oh, so the sins of the father are visited upon the son. Not not actually his father, but kind of his father. That's actually a great way of explaining it. I hadn't thought of it that way before. But yeah, because again, if you look back to the Vulture, the Vulture is basically all this tech from when the Avengers were in North within New York during the invasion. And then you have Mysterio, which is basically Peter Park, uh, basically dealing with former Tony Stark employees. So I'm hopeful that any new kind of stuff that comes out of this is going to be slightly related to Star Tech or stuff stuff related to that because I think it'd be a great through line that like as much as Peter as Tony Stark is gone, the world that he impacted still exists on a macro level, not on a, on a micro level, but a macro level throughout the world. Well, and part of what feeds that that whole um, thought was like, um, I thought it was interesting that they showed tributes to Iron Man in various parts of Europe. As they were traveling through Europe, yeah, you saw kind of huge wall murals, and you saw statues, and you saw things mm-hmm. that were tributes to to Iron Man. Well, even in the very beginning, you see a tribute to the fallen Avengers here. So, like, it's presumed. So, it's very much stated that like Captain America is gone, Vision is gone, Iron Man is gone, uh, Black Widow is gone. Like, all these characters are just basically. You know, for the most part, dead. Although we kind of know that they died in Endgame. Yeah, they yeah. died in Endgame and in um, in Infinity War, respectively, for Vision. Um, yeah. But like the notion that these that these heroes are gone, especially Captain America, which is not really gone, but like he is. Well, he's an old man. Yeah, but I mean, like they they know how to do time travel now. 
that's not to say that you know Chris Evans can't pop back in for for some purpose at some point here. Um, so yeah, so that's the end of the that's the end of the next movie here, which is really kind of interesting to see where they go from there. Well, there's obviously something else coming because because you got a poor poor Spider Man, as you said, is always always a tra- is always a tragedy. tragedy. Yeah. And um, and that's his tragedy because he here he's just making he's just he's finally found some sort of level of happiness here he's gotten to some sort of equilibrium status and then his entire role changes with the with uh, J Jonah Jameson which again the second I saw that in the theaters I was just like my mind was just like blown away it's like oh they did it oh, they brought they not only brought back the characters I was curious how they were going to bring back the Daily Bugle but they brought yeah. back J K Simmons as J Jonah Jameson which was just Perfect. Well, it really was. Yeah, and I and I I thought you know it's it's um, he is now plagued with the idea that everybody knows his name. Well, not that everyone knows his name, but that he is actually a villain and not a superhero. Yeah. Um, which is how again the Daily Bugle really does paint him in the com in the comics and in the early Sam Raimi movies that Spider Man is a menace, not a uh, is a is a bad he's, guy. He's a not threat. A, he's, yeah. Yeah. He's a threat. He's a vigilante at best. Precisely. And then you get the next, you get the very ending tale scene. If you watched all the way to the very end of the credits here, which Mm -hmm. in Marvel movies have kind of trained us to do here now. You're standing in the the movie theater all by yourself. Yeah. There there were very few other people there. Oh, no. My movie theater had everyone just kind of waiting around. Oh, really? I don't think anybody got up because everyone kind of knew what was coming. We went to an early showing. That's fair. Um, so you get the second post-trailer trailer stuff here. So it's the very ending thing here. And you get Nick Fury and Maria Hill are driving around. And they warp, I guess, is the best. They change their skin. And it's revealed that, that these are the scrolls from Captain Marvel posing as Nick Fury and Maria Hill. So it's, um, I can't remember the guy's name here, but it's. Uh, yeah, the main, the main, the main scroll, and then his wife or his spouse. Um, and what's interesting here is that they go about saying is like, "Well, how was I supposed to know? You know, like I'm a shapeshifter. I should have seen that that was a fake." And it makes it kind of all kind of paint in reality when you think about it, because like it's why would Nick Fury be really interested in a 16 year old boy to be the one to be the hero here? Why would he not actually get other Avengers in in on it if this is especially something unique that would be you know, that would be out there. And he would know what Avengers to, to you to call on for stuff like this. But the fact that they don't even call other Avengers at all or or anything like that, um, like, it really does paint That's this... That's an interesting thought, because I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah, because when you think about it here, like, okay, there's these elemental sort of creatures here, and Spider-Man's power sets don't really lead him to being useful in a lot of those cases here at all. I mean, like again, Peter Parker's more of a a physical sort of sort of dude at the end of the day. Local lo- friendly Spider-Man. Well, again, like some superheroes are more projectile based, some are more mystical based, and others are more physical based. If you take like Iron Man as a more projectile based superhero, um, then you have like Captain America as more of a physical type here. Like, you know, in a lot of cases here, like Spider-Man would be in the physical sort of realm here if you think about it, because. The way um, the way he mostly interacts with people is by punching them and kicking them and moving around. Yeah. And even like a lot of his abilities wouldn't really do anything against fire or water at all. 
So, um, but then you get to see Nick Fury, and I guess I guess the scrolls are talking to Nick Fury, and Nick Fury is on a spaceship, just kind of hanging out almost with a bunch of other scrolls, and I, I'm assuming this has something to do with whatever. Mar- well, he says at one time. He, he he when somebody mentions Captain Marvel he says don't mention that name around me yeah why is that um I think he holds her in such high respect uh, that like you really don't bring that name up but again I mean like it could be the scrolls like intentionally being like no 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 you don't you don't get to mention that person okay um I wonder what that was about because it seemed odd so. um but yeah no so again like Nick Fury is on a ship apparently leading some sort of crew and it's not like a small ship either it looks like a really big ship um no flurkins though we don't we, not that we saw initially we they, they could very well Where, be there where's goose i want my goose that's an interesting question where goose is maybe captain marvel came back for goose or goose wandered off and continued to just be a part of the world again hidden around um interesting nonetheless again i'm very curious to see where nick fury is now um but this also does give Nick Fury the ability to not have to be in every movie anymore. Um, so, um, I have an idea what's going to happen to Nick Fury. I kind of don't want it to happen just because I love Samuel L. Jackson. But I kind of have an idea what's going to happen to him. Um, there's a... So, do you remember Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Yes. Now, do you remember Stan Lee's cameo in that? Also, the first movie, Spider-Man: Far From Home, without a sp- without a Stanley cameo in it. Yeah, I noticed that actually, because because uh, Homecoming does have a cameo. He's mm-hmm. in the window. Yeah, sad. Um. So. Um. In the in the in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie here, you see Stanley as an astronaut, kind of talking with a bunch of other bald guys that are kind of like glowing eyes. Mm-hmm. These characters are known as the Watchers. They're um, they're basically a group of like alien race that basically watches over the galaxy um, to make sure that it doesn't get destroyed. Um, and they r- very rarely ever step in unless it's unless the impression is that um, without their assistance, the heroes are not going to be able to save their own galaxy and the universe will be well, wiped out. Well, then why out. did he li- let uh, let Infinity Wars happen? I guess again they they have the ability to kind of see into the future and inter- and and see what'll happen um even though they're known as the watchers they see they can they know what that again I mean like even if Thanos does happen and Thanos never and they never fix what Thanos ha- did like you still have half the galaxy I mean like it's yeah it's less but it's still there okay fair enough so um so what, there's a storyline here that happens where um, Nick Fury in the original comic books here apparently steals the eyes of a Watcher and puts them in his own body so that way it basically takes it in on himself so that way he can perceive all the eventual threats that will happen to the Marvel Universe and he can be, he can be he, they can help stop this from ever happening. Um, eventually, though, like it's found out that he's the one who did it, and as his crime for killing a Watcher and stealing the eyes of a Watcher, he becomes kind of a Watcher himself, but he can't actually interact with the world around him. He 
He's, he he he's, knows, but he can't speak. He's the silent, I believe, is, okay. if, if memory serves me correctly. And so uh, what ends up happening is that he just basically becomes a silent watcher over the universe. And his punishment here is that he can only watch what's happening. He can't actually interact with anybody. He can't tell anybody what's going to happen. Um, and nobody can really see him, but he can just watch what's going to happen. That would be horrible. It would. Um, especially for a person like Nick Fury, who very much, especially in the comics, has always had his pulse on everything that's happening and how to help coordinate the superheroes to fight off against uh, the stuff that's happening through S.H.I.E.L.D. or through any other means that might exist. So, okay. um, I think that's an eventuality that might come for Samuel L. Jackson if they want to kind of write out the character, but Samuel L. Jackson's also just had a lot of fun, I think, just having like an occasional, you know... Well, he doesn't payday. have to do much. Like, like he didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't in a lot of the stuff here. But again, like you did have to ferry him around from location to location to location. Yeah. And Samuel L. Jackson to have him participate in a lot of this is expensive. It would be somewhat expensive as well, considering that he's a pivotal character here too. I mean, part of the reason for writing off uh, some of the Avengers here, like Tony Stark and. Uh, or Tony Stark, Captain America, Wanda. Um, some of the reason for writing off these characters is that these characters are now, you know, can command a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, Chris Evans, I mean, though, has uh, made a point of saying that he wants to do less acting roles. He wants to do more directorial stuff because he liked. The, he found a liking for that. Yeah. Um, and then the other version here, though, is that... Um, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. just can demand a lot of money to just reprise a role. Well, plus I plus I would imagine that that at some point, you know, sort of like Sean Connery, you want to move on with your career. You've done enough 007. Yeah, you don't need to do this character anymore. Um, and it's not to say that there won't be a way to bring back these characters, you know, in another 10, 15 years maybe, or find a way to reintroduce them in a different way. Uh, well, um, I, li I like the idea that, that even though Iron Man is gone, he's very much a part of this movie. And again, and, that, and that's my hope as well, is that again, like future Spider-Man stuff is all still based around Tony Stark's in creation somehow wrecking with uh, Spider-Man. Because a lot of Spider-Man's villains are all tech-based. So I'd love to see another version of Dr. I, I, as much as I don't want to see it, I want to see another version of Dr. Octopus. I do want to see a goblin at some point here, whether it's the Green Goblin or the Hobgoblin. I want to see one of those. Um, I would love to see the Rhino and done actually well for once. Okay. Um, like there's Well, okay, so where, where does all this fit with the announcement at Comic-Con for Phase 4? All right, so Phase 4. So we'll go ahead and get into that stuff here. So... Um, Basically, at Comic-Con this year, Marvel was the big name that actually had all the announcements. Nobody else really wanted to do a lot of the announcements because they knew Marvel was just coming off of Endgame in the, earlier in the year and basically knew that like they were going to take a victory lap. Sometimes movie studios would do that. They'll, they'll release If they have to release a movie on a weekend, they'll try to do it not around the other major movies because the major movies will... Yeah. So you don't have to fight against it. Because they know, like, if people have the option to go see, like, James Bond or the Avengers, they might go see the Avengers more than they would see James Bond. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, they want to maximize their gross that they're going to get. So they're gonna, and you're going to make your most money in the first 
week of the movie coming out. Maybe the second yeah. week as well, if it's yeah. a big movie. So you might push James Bond to a later month, so that way you're not fighting with, um, you know, the Marvel movies. Because the Marvel movies are always going to be big money makers in a lot of cases. Right, they're going to be box office stars. All right, so new stuff that they kind of announced here was going to be The Eternals. Now, um, these are apparently a group of immortal beings that have existed on Earth for a long time. Um, A lot of them might be heroic heroes in some cases, like Gilgamesh, Icarus. Um, This is straight out of Jack Kirby territory, which means that it's going to be weird. Keep in mind that Jack Kirby's the guy that came up with, like, a lot of the weird pantheon sort of stuff here like that guardians of the galaxy kind of dealt deals with mm-hmm. um so th- if anything this will be fun weird hopefully um again this is one of those things i'm really excited that marvel is going to try to make new ips and new storylines okay. um because i'm always i mean because right now they've been riding high on the basic marvel continuity of the last 60 70 years and so it'll be nice to see them trying new stuff um, beyond that, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have like two or three different things coming to, uh, Disney's new streaming service, which, uh, so we're going to have the Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, which will be interesting. I think this is really going to be, um, the Falcon learning to use the shield and becoming Captain America eventually, or at least the Falcon Captain America that he is in the comics right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, because I, I do find their their interaction is different without Chris Evans, Captain America. There, that these two are not necessarily friends, but they're more or less sort of uh, friends of a friend. So it'll be interesting to kind of see where um, you can be respectful acquaintances. Yeah, but even then, they were kind of like um, again, they were kind of like how do I best describe it? Because the, the best interaction you see with them during um, Captain America Civil War kind of basically paints how they'll interact with each other, where they're, mis- they're, they're not necessarily trustful of each other, but they're kind of like, okay, I got to work with you, so I'll work with you, sort of, you know, okay. in sort of thing here. And so um, with, with Winter Soldier kind of, I, I want to say, begrudgingly giving the sh- allowing Captain America to pass the shield on to Falcon... I'm curious how uh, how that dynamic of their characters will start interacting. Whether I like Falcon, I do too. I like Andrew Anthony Mackie, and um, yeah. so there's that. The other streaming thing coming is called WandaVision. Now, this could be one of two different things. Um, considering that Wanda is still kind of alive in the in the Marvel universe, uh, cinematic universe. Uh, in the comics, Wanda is a mutant that has the ability to actually manipulate um, to manipulate the universe around her. Initially, in the comics, it, it's presented as uh, curses that allow her to kind of like curse a person to do the to do something. So, like if somebody's trying to shoot at her, she curses them, and then they can't aim at her at all. So, like they can shoot her a billion times, but they'll never actually hit her. So. Um, or if somebody's trying to chase after her, she curses them, and then they like, trip and fall, and like they can't keep keep chasing after her, kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but eventually, it's revealed that her powers were actually able to manipulate the world around them. There's a great story called House of M, uh, 
that basically says that um, in this new universe here that Wanda has a family. Her father Magneto um, is the is kind of the leader of the human race of the of the Earth here, and that they're actually more um, mutants that there are humans, and all the humans are kind of like slave labor, lower class citizens, while the mutants are upper class citizens and have all oh, the full rights and powers. Lovely. Yeah, so it's the complete opposite of what the original X Men universe was. Um, so I think what might happen here. Um, there's also a storyline. So you're gonna in, have a Wandaverse. So you might have a Wandaverse kind of happening. But what also kind of happens here as well is that a Vision at one point in, especially more later comics here, because uh-huh. um, he's still kind of around and he's not actually dating Wanda anymore. Yeah. Um, is actually trying to create his own family. So he creates kind of a, like a 1950s sort of like family of other Vision characters in his own mental projection sort of thing. Scenario, I guess, is again the best uh-huh. way to put it. Um, so, what I think what might happen here is that Wanda might still have feelings for for Vision and might create her own universe that allows her to continue to interact with Vision. Um, I'm curious to see how that has an impact on the rest of the the Marvel universe. Um, this is what I'm kind of interested to see how they how they do it because obviously. Um, your ability to use some of the older some of the older Avengers will kind of stretch a little bit. So as much as you want to keep them relevant and keep them still useful, you may try to use them sparingly so the movies are not capitalizing on them too much. So you can create new heroes versus old heroes. Well, I was just trying to look on the internet to see if there was any tips as to how they were going to do that. And uh, They announced it at Comic-Con. They haven't really gone into a lot of detail on how it's going to work just yet. There's a whole thing on Wanda versus Captain Marvel. Yeah. That could be interesting. Try not to look too deeply into alternate versions of Spider-Man. There's quite a bit. Interesting. Um, uh, The other stuff coming to um, the streaming service here is going to be uh, Loki. And apparently Loki is going to just be... When he basically got the Tesseract again in Infinity in Endgame here... And he's basically just kind of transporting from world to world to world, I guess. Okay, um, so now if you were going to define him, he he is chaotic evil, right? Um, I don't think he's chaotic. I don't think he's chaotic evil. I think he's more of a lawful evil. Lawful evil. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, he's not intentionally destroying anything, and he's always kind of playing within the rules of the way the universe works. I mean, like. Maybe kind of like, I mean, chaotic evil really just kind of paint you as being like a malevolent sort of like, I want everything to burn down. And Loki's not about having everything burnt down. Every Loki's about making a place for himself that just sees him on the top. Yeah, but when it seems like like there are unintentional casualties. Yeah. There's un- because because he just really doesn't care. No, and, he, and yeah, that's the bit here, that he doesn't care about whatever happens around him to other people. He only cares that he, he himself is on top. And he's even willing to sacrifice his brother to allow, to get him to continue to stay on the top so he can have a good life. And I think that's more of a, a lawful evil because, I mean, in a lot of cases, he's still playing within the rules of everything else that's happening around him. I mean, like, even when he's in... Um, Thor Ragnarok again I mean like his notion here is that yeah I'm going to give Thor back to 
the collector or to um, the leader here and then I'll be and then I'll just be set back in life and I'll be back where I belong so he's playing much very much within the law as far as like in the rules of how everything works okay um, I yeah chaotic evil would be more like the Joker I think just hell bent on doing as much damage as possible I think okay um so yeah, no, Loki's got a thing coming up here. Um, some of the new movies that they're planning on here are going to be the Shang-Chi, which is going to be the first Asian hero in the MC universe. Um, this will be interesting because it's basically the notion is this is a kung fu master on the level of Captain America as far as uh, fighting prowess, if not more so. Um, who's mastered lots of weapons, um, so I'm interested to see like how they do this movie here. Um, well, I mean, if you think back in the day, though, mm -hmm. Bruce Lee was certainly very popular. Very, very popular, no, absolutely. And, and this is a character that probably would have been based off of Bruce Lee. Because um, it did come out around in the, in the 70s, which would have been prime Bruce Lee territory. Um, and the Kung Fu Master gimmick would have been right up Bruce Lee's uh, vantage point in the character depending on his depiction, does kind of look like Bruce Lee. I'm just putting um, it out there. Yeah. I, I'm curious how they do the, how, how they'll do this, if they'll treat it kind of like um, the Netflix Daredevil sort of stuff where uh, Daredevil, Daredevil is blind, but he still does a lot of physical activity and um, beat-em-ups here to, to get that point to do that. Um, and again, this is one of those things where I don't know if this will necessarily even be a movie or a Maybe another TV series. I'm getting the impression from the from the Comic Con here that it's probably going to be a um, movie, most likely. Well, you see lots of lots of short, even short series where there's like eight episodes, which yeah, these days qualifies as a series because yeah. people watch on their own time. Oh, absolutely. Um, we have um, they did announce that Doctor Strange Two is still happening, and this probably will include Wanda and Wanda in the. Marvel Universe is often seen as a as a as a part of the mystic sort of thing here because of her man uh, reality manipulation. Um, so she's kind of considered as a mage, even if not technically a mage or a sorcerer as a sorcerer. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see Doctor Strange too. I, it's one of my favorite Marvel characters. Um, they're gonna do. Uh, they're gonna do a series of the Watchers as an animated series on the Disney streaming service. And they're going to get some of the older actors uh, to reprise their roles again. Um, How do you do that on Disney? I mean, you're going to angle it for a younger audience? Does Disney do on their streaming service things for adult audiences? I don't know. The streaming service literally is just coming out new now. Okay. It's, yeah, it's not even really like even a few months old here. Okay. Um, and so a lot of its content right now is a lot of older Disney material here. So, like, cartoons from, like, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, um, movies of theirs um, that are probably going to be timed for release so they're not always up. So, like, maybe Dumbo's up for two months and then, like, maybe Pinocchio for another two months after that to kind of keep it as a desire to want to see it. Okay. Um, that was actually... So they, they control their releases of their, their DVDs that way. Yeah, which is, I, I think, really... But, which I always think is kind of like silly because like if you really wanted to, you could still get a Little Mermaid or a 
Pinocchio, yeah. you know, But it's movie. out of the vault for this period of time. Yeah, but, like, there's yeah. copies that still exist after that. And yeah. In a lot of cases, they're actually cheaper afterwards. Yeah. After, after, they're no lo- after the vault's closed again, like... Yeah. And even then, I mean, like, who wouldn't... I mean, eh, Disney going to make money. Yep. Um, still in... Um, what I think is probably the bigger news here is going to be uh, Thor 4, which is Love and Thunder... People are excited about that. Now, do you know why people are excited about that? No. So people are excited about this for Lady Thor. Oh, I did hear this. So Natalie Portman, who famously didn't, um, wasn't in the third one and wasn't in any other previous ones, with the exception of Endgame, where they used archival footage for that. Um, she originally what happened was that in uh, the second movie here. Um, in the second Thor movie here, um, there was a director who was supposed to be a part of it initially, and uh, she ended up getting released from the film. And the reason Natalie Portman wanted to do the film was because she got to work with this female uh, director, which would have been the first female director of a Marvel movie. Um, and so famously, Natalie Portman couldn't back out of the role at that point. Um, and so did the movie, but basically said, I'm not going to do any more Disney movie. I'm not going to do any more... Marvel movies after that because I got you guys basically fired this woman director who you know like female directors are not a very common thing in the yeah in in movies here at all and so you basically deprived this woman of a paycheck and so I'm not I'm not I'm not cool with that at all yeah. so um, which again to Natalie Portman's credit here like again you stick up for what you believe in that's how Guardians of the Galaxy three got uh, um, the direct their original director back. Excited about that. Yes. So Guardians When is that out? I think that's probably going to come out sometime next year, most likely. Um, we got to remember that they originally were going to start filming in in 2019, actually. Uh, I want were, Gamora back. Well, they're they're going to have Gamora back. I mean, I think that's going to be the entire point of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, is, to try to, is try to reconcile Gamora thing here and... Um, and unfortunately, I think what's going to happen here is that Peter Quill is not going to get her to fall in love with her again. Oh, that's too bad. I oh, know. I like them as a couple. I do, too. He's willing to give up his life for her. So, um, but back to Thor 4 here, which will, which will play a part in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I think I think what's going to happen in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 here is that, um, is that Thor is going to lose the ability, is going to um, become unworthy. I think what there's going to have... So he happen- won't be able to pick up the hammer? Well, right now he's got his axe, and I don't know where the hammer's going to come back from. The hammer's going to come back from somewhere. Um, I don't know where, but... Um, Maybe th- Cap will bring it back. No, I don't think so, because, again, like it's it has to be in where its time was originally, yeah, which okay. was um, the Ancient One's big deal. It's like, you know, like Hulk basically made a promise here, but... Return them back to when they were taken, and it will be like they never left. Okay. So I think the hammer's got to return back to the time in which it was at. Okay. Um, that that could be its own series in and of itself here. How did Captain America get put everything back? That could be its own show. Um, I would like to see that actually. But again, like Chris Evans has basically said, like I'm not is that like I'm 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 not going to do the character anymore. Like he's, he's stepping away from the role, by very much in the vein of Sean Connery as um, 007. 007, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But no, so I think at some point here, Thor's going to become unworthy and is going to lose his powers, I think. Which is the thing that does happen in the comics. Okay. Um, and then as a result here, Natalie Portman, who plays Jane Foster, will be, it will be the next person that is worthy and take over the hammer here. Ooh. Um, there's a bit here as well where there's a character called Beta Ray Bill, which... Great in the, name. I know, right? Which in the in the original Marvel continuity here in the 80s, I want to say, uh, was actually able to pick up Thor's hammer. And he became Thor, because originally the scripture of Thor was, whoever shall wield this hammer shall wield the power of Thor. And the original version of Thor was was just a guy who found the hammer. Oh. Yeah, originally Thor was just, Thor was more or less a power set, not a person. And it was retconned eventually that um, this person who was acting as Thor, with the powers of Thor, was actually Thor himself in a previous life. And he just picked up the mantle once again. Um, but like the powers of the hammer were basically, um, the, what gave you the powers of Thor. So this guy named Beta Ray Bill became Thor and Odin eventually made him his own version of the hammer, which allowed him to have the powers here. Um, which is what I think will happen is that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will introduce Beta Ray Bill, who will take, uh, Thor's axe from him, um... I think what they'll do here is that um, they'll go back to the dwarf here and make a new hammer for Beta Ray Bill, but like split up the powers of the of the axe originally to maybe kind of give Beta Ray Bill the power to wield his powers um, because he will have originally stolen it, or maybe that's how Thor gets a new hammer. Um, in the process here, Thor has to do something like either. Like, maybe, like, kill Beta Ray Bill or stop him somehow, and it becomes unworthy because of it. And that'll give um, Natalie Portman the chance to become Thor at that point. Because, um, again, the axe will still kind of exist, and so maybe even Beta Ray Bill somehow being an element of the movie going into Thor 4 is a possibility here somewhere, maybe. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, okay. so this, this, this is kind of a, a thought process. I like the I, idea of Lady Thor. Well, again, I mean, that that was a big thing here back in 2007 and 2015, 16, where, like, again, originally the point of the Lady Thor comic was uh, Thor was Thor became unworthy. It's where he gets uh, Stormbreaker from, actually, which is another weapon for him to use. He stops going by the name of Thor and just goes as Odin's son. So he was, like, the new Odin. Um, and Lady Thor, nobody knew who Lady Thor was originally. Um, with the intention being that um, Thor was trying to figure out that the original Thor was trying to figure out who this lady Thor was and at the very end of the comic you reveal that it was Jane Foster okay um, so that's in the that's in development here um, there's a Hawkeye project in development no clue what that'll be about because I think Hawkeye is trying to distance himself from that from from that, um, there is from, a from the Avengers. From the Avengers, yeah, like yeah. he very much doesn't want to be a part of that world anymore. Um, and the only reason he was a part of it um, was initially because of Shield, and then, um, especially in uh, Civil War, after the events of Civil War, he's very much like, no, I'm just gonna be a normal guy. I got to worry about my family now. Yeah, and and he he very much takes on that mantle. Um, a father figure, like yeah. very seriously. Yeah. 
Um, so there's that. Um, there's a Black Widow movie. This, I'm still kind of vaguely confused whether this is a prequel or not. I want to say it is because, because again, I mean, like, the notion of them trying to make a new Black Widow seems a little counterproductive because you would think that, like, they would know about it, maybe, but who yeah. knows? So yeah. I think this might be a prequel. Okay. Um, and they've also... Who do you get to play it if it's a prequel? They've actually hired an actress. And the okay. actress are being very coy about what her role is. Okay. So even... So most people don't know what it is. Okay. Um, there is also the last little bit of news they had there was the Blade movie. Um, so Blade, if you remember, was um, Wesley Snipes in the yeah. in the 90s. Uh, Blade was a Marvel character originally. Um, and so it looks like they're going to try to bring him back in some way, shape, or form. I'm not sure what that version will be necessarily. Um, I, I would love for them to... If they get into the vampire sort of element here, because Marvel, before they ever got into comic, into like the superhero genre, did a lot of like offbeat sort of stuff, like monsters and cowboys, you know, like. Again, I would love to see a Marvel version of a Western. Could be interesting. Because I, I, I think you could have a lot of like. You don't have to get real sci fi about it here, but you could be. You could have a lot of fun with alien technology or stuff that we consider in the future here now like maybe like Thor Thor kind of technology Asgard stuff is there at some form or another or some sort of cameo like that I think that could be fun and I think there's plenty of room for that I would love to see where Blade kind of takes like vampires and stuff from if they'll if it'll still be a part of the Marvel Universe which probably most likely versus having it be its own thing and if it ever references the older movies, which it probably won't. Um, other stuff that has been um, announced, not necessarily announced, but kind of uh, kind of like said is going to be happening here. We still got the uh, second Black Panther movie, second Captain America movie, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which everyone kind of knew was in production. Sort of the third Captain America movie, right? Oh, no, Captain Marvel. I'm sorry, Captain Marvel. Okay. Yes, my apologies, friend. I meant okay. Captain Marvel. Um, they have a, they have said that there is going to be a third Spider-Man movie, which is already in production, or in pre-production here. They uh, some of the villains being tossed around are uh, Craven, which is a uh, hunter, uh-huh. and he might and he would hunt Spider-Man, which would be interesting. Um, and then Did you have get Mysterio back. I liked him again. I think Mysterio will come back here in like another like couple years. Okay, it's kind of a reunion sort of thing. Um, if they're able to keep doing a Spider-Man movie every other year, kind of. Um, kind of bit here like they were doing with like a couple of the characters here like I think you'll get enough after like another four or five uh, another like eight six or seven years uh-huh. that you could have a Sinister Six movie as literally that's this it would be great if it was the sixth movie okay Um, but again who and I think you introduced like the sixth villain to lead that here at the end of the day there too which I'm hoping is Hobblegoblin but we'll get there eventually okay Um, guard, um there is talks of a X-Men project here. A lot of people think an X-Men TV series on the streaming service would work better for the Marvel continuity versus the movies. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do a mutant sort of movie here because uh, or a TV series because again, I mean like mutants didn't really, have not really existed in the Marvel pantheon. 
Um, you could say that Wanda and you could say that Wanda and um, her brother uh, Pietro were originally mutants, but like, but their powers come from the Mind Stone here somehow enhancing them. Mm-hmm. Um, in Sh- Agents of Shield, you have. Um, a collection of heroes that basically are mutants, but um, they're not called mutants. Um, I forget what they're called here in the in the Agents of Shield version. Um, if only just because back when Agents of Shield was first announced in 2012, 2013, uh, Fox still had the right to the mutant license, so that was uh, their way of getting around this to yeah. say they were mutants without actually having them be mutants. Wink and a nod. Okay. Um. Uh, even had another TV show that they were trying to do here, where um, they were essentially mu- they were they were essentially mutants, the Inhumans, but they're just not technically mutants. Uh, the difference between the Inhumans versus mutants is basically mutants are born with the gift versus Inhumans are um, genetically similar to scrolls because scrolls had children, and if they're introduced to a gas. Um, that activates their powers. Okay. So you have to have you have to have the gas in order to to get the powers here, sort of. They have to be activated. Yeah, um, kind of like a car. You got to turn it on. Yeah. Um, so is that, and then the other one that's exciting for me is Fantastic Four. Oh, I remember Fantastic Four. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see how they'll reintroduce Fantastic Four. Um, Clearly, it's something they say that they want to do. There's not a timeline for when it'll come out. Um, there's a guy named Movie Bob who has a great film treatment for it, um, which would be very interesting to see them do. Um, it'd also just be kind of nice if they just go back in time to like the 1950s or 60s and do a, do a movie there. Um, That's true. It would be it would be interesting to say where these characters have been, but you could always say that some sort of cosmic event happened here that forced them to disappear for a while, and then they suddenly reappear again in our timeline a la Captain America um but you would have heard about them perhaps in between then so don't know um I'm curious to see what they'll do okay um and so that was most of the big news that came out of Comic Con here um so is, is Marvel Phase 4 really sort of the streaming service and, and well it's the it's the direction toward the, the streaming services I think is going to be where a lot of their um, legacy sort of stuff I think is going to go. So like again, like WandaVision, Loki, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier here. Um, I think I think we have a lot of the older stuff from Phase 3 will exist inside there. Um, with the exception of stuff that was introduced and in Phase 3, like again, like Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Black Panther. A lot of these were all introduced at the very tail end of Phase two, we're going into phase, or at the beginning of phase three. Okay. Um, and so I think a lot of the other, again, more or less legacy character stuff that came, started in either phase one or phase two, again, like, we don't know where the Hulk is going to exist in any, any of this at all. Um, so we really don't have any word on that here at all. We don't really know what's going to happen with, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp, if that's going to continue to happen at all. Um. Again, like the, a lot of the stuff, we still don't know what's going to happen at all um, in any of these movies. But that's the fun of the internet and speculation. 
Oh yeah. Again, I mean, I, I've already got like a, thou- a couple hundred ideas for again, like how I think Thor will work out with Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but again, who knows? I like Thor. He's snarky. Right, well, well, again, I'm I'm going to appreciate uh, a, a a chubbier version of Thor in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, it'll be kind of fun of how many have if Chris Hemsworth continues to because uh, again, Tight Wakiti, which was the guy who did Thor Ragnarok, mm-hmm. is be- going to come back again to direct Thor Four: Love and Thunder. And so um, it'll be interesting to see if James Gunn continues to play Thor off in a kind of jokey manner. Um, and how yeah, much yeah? Thor is very campy these days. Ca- Thor has been not only campy, but very much kind of a um, not a comic foil, but more or less kind of a more comical, somewhat character here. Like the, he's been comic relief. I mean, he's been and and he shows up in in um, tense situations as comic relief. So it's kind of a nice release. Yeah, I mean, again, it's the whole bravado sort of thing is now. With the Asgards and the royal continuity, like a lot of this has been kind of like put to the side. Um, it'll be interesting how Valkyrie will lead her people as the new Odin. That's true because it's been turned over. Yeah, um, or if she really doesn't even have any powers and really like Thor is the new Odin, just in waiting, which I think I think might be the case, but we'll see. So, what do you think of Spider-Man: Far From Home? I enjoyed it. I hated the end um, because I, I would just like him to be happy. I mean, he's he's clearly aware that, that that there's a burden to being a superhero, and he doesn't really want it. Yeah. And and yeah. yet he kind of does. So um, you know, because he waits for for things to happen that he can respond to mm-hmm. um, when he's not saving the world. So. Um, so he's conflicted on that, but but he realizes the value of being a normal everyday kid and wanting to go to college and all those things. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that he's not going to get to because who's who's going to take him as a college now? Yeah, well, it's, it's an interesting notion here. How do we get past him being Peter Parker? Or how how does that change his life um, for the better or for the worst? Well, he's no longer going to Harvard. No, that that much is definitely true. Um, or MIT. Or anything at that point here. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see um, where the story goes next. I think uh, J.K. Simmons' uh, J.J. is J. Jonas uh, Jameson will play a slightly bigger role in kind of antagonizing the city into um, disliking Spider-Man. I hope that he continues to be somewhat more of a not necessarily cameo role, but just kind of like playing in the background sort of stuff. Yeah, and I kind of think I kind of think it will because it seems like introducing that, the way it was introduced, it, it's it's going to come back. Yeah, no, I yeah, I definitely think he's going to come back, and I think he'll come back more in small little cameo bits, like two or three, yeah. like two or three times in the middle of a movie, just to kind of like stir the pot some more, which is kind of what his role has always been. Yeah. Um, so that'll happen. Um. I like Spider-Man Far From Home, but the thing that just kind of really annoys me is all the teenager stuff, I guess, is the best way to put it. Because you're not a teenager no, anymore. No, I'm not. I'm not a teenager anymore. Like, a lot of... I mean, just... Like, we see a lot of adults being superheroes, them kind of dealing with their stuff, versus, like, Spider-Man's angsty, he's, 
He's indecisive. He's 16. I know, I know. It's like all this like, oh, I really want to get in love with Mary Jane. It's like, dude, you're a superhero. Man up. How can you be... How can you be decisive when it comes to saving people's lives but not decisive about your own love life? I I understand. It's just like one of those things where it was like, ah! Don't um, you remember first love playing with your head? True. Very true. Um, so yeah, I'm curious in that kind of aspect to see where it will go um, from there. Um, I... I really just wanted more of the Peter Parker stuff to just be more about them kind of making fun of him um, and the scenarios that it's around him, which they did a fair amount of. Yeah. Um, but again, a lot of the fun of a superhero movie is, just, again, the superhero parts. It's one of those reasons why, um, if you go back in time to the movie Kick-Ass, I hated all the parts in which it wasn't result- revolving around the Kick-Ass character. And I'll be the first one to admit I didn't like that movie because it didn't deal with a lot of the superhero stuff. I was like... It was like, oh, we're now on this page. Cool, we're doing superhero stuff. We're going at 60 miles an hour, and then we suddenly get to the the boring non-superhero stuff, and it's like, oh, we're putting around again at 5 miles an hour. It's like, we were just at 60. No, we're going to have to go back to 5 miles an hour. It's just, ugh. So. Um, but, no, yeah, no, again, I still like the movie. I still had a lot of fun with it. Um, I'm curious to see where... I'm curious to see all the little tidbits that they drop and where that will where those pieces will be picked up later. Yeah, I, I thought more than some of the other movies, it was fitting for a 10, 12, 14-year-old craft. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay, too. Not a lot of real heavy esoteric stuff. No, but again, it does paint a lot of the um, eventuality. Oh, one thing I didn't forget to mention here that was very interesting. Um, when, the, when Peter Parker was initially speaking with Mysterio while they're in Venice here, and they bring up the topic of alternate realities. Mm-hmm. Um, he quotes the... Uh, Mysterio quotes um, Peter as saying, oh, this is Earth 616. I'm from Earth, like, 574 or four, something like that. Earth 6... So the way Marvel divides its continuity is by numbers. Mm-hmm. Earth 616 is the main Marvel continuity. Okay. So I, I thought that was a fun little Easter egg for those who are um, hip on the hip on that because it's really almost it's really almost never discussed in the actual Marvel continuity that that's Earth six one six versus other alternate. So you'd universes. have to be in the na- in the know to to pick up. Yeah, you'd have to be like it's it's such esoteric sort of unnecessary sort of details, but it's one of those things again where Marvel does a great job of hinting at the small stuff. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Alrighty, well, I think that'll do it for us here tonight. Um, I want to thank everybody again for listening to us here again tonight as we discuss the ramblings of a of weird Marvel continuity stuff. Again, like the next couple of years worth of Marvel stuff will certainly be interesting. Um, we'll have all the show notes here again on our website at nerdtutorialpodcast.com. It's also where we have my mom's D&D character at as well. Uh-huh. And then we'll also post John's up there as well, and we'll have... a. We'll do a um, scenario or campaign here in just a couple days, which will be recorded. Um, And then we're going to do... And if you have any comments, questions, critiques, or any ideas for future topics, highly recommend visiting me at Nerd Tutorial. My Facebook page is facebook.com underscore... Facebook page dot com slash nerdtutorialpodcast.com where you can 
reply to our various episodes. Let me know what I got right, wrong, what you think is going to happen. Um, right now we have uh, a couple of pictures of, of possible barred tieflings for mom. Oh, very good. So if you wanted to have a, an impression of what your character would look like, there's a bunch of different options up there. I will go look. Um, then if you want to message me on Twitter, you can see find me at nerd underscore tutorial. Um, I am trying to be semi- somewhat active on there, but yeah, trying is trying. Um, but thank you so much for joining us here today, and we'll see you guys all next time. Bye. Bye.